0: Are you curious? Have you ever wondered what someone is thinking? Do you see the same people over and over again, but never say hi? The baker, your neighbor, the guy who shares your commute. What if you just gave them a minute? 60 seconds. What could you learn? Who could you see? Our guest today got curious, and she followed her curiosity. From her multicultural childhood in France to prisons in the U.S. and rickshaws in London, Nora's curiosity grew, and one day she was inspired to stop and give someone a minute. She took that minute and she shared it with the world. Today, we get a behind-the-scenes look at human postcards, and the interviewer, Nora, becomes the guest. Let's start the conversation. I'm Megan Kitchen, and this... Is balancing cultures. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been following human postcards and I love the glimpses into other people's lives and also their
1: ways of life. Yes, of course. Thank you very much for your interest in the project. I'd love
0: to dig into what inspired this project and a little bit of background, but I want to start with you. Because I feel like our experiences and our past and even our heritage influence how we approach projects and things in our present.
1: What were your parents like and what was your childhood like? I grew up in a very special place that was a home welcoming many people from around the world. They created, when I was a little girl, an artist residency and writer's residency so we were in the middle of nowhere in a small village in Provence, but yet we had people coming from all around the world and sharing ideas and spending long hours at our dinner table and breakfast table and lunch table talking and 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 growing together, exchanging ideas and so i've been I've been a witness of that, and that was really the environment I grew up in, and it's probably where I learned a lot my listening skills. I would sit with the grown ups for. long hours and listen to the exchanges and and learn a lot from from this environment and it it probably made me also very curious about the world because i would see glimpses of different cultures different thinking and uh, very early on i knew that i would like to go and explore myself and be the one going into the world at some point i was going to
0: ask are there other cultural influences other than your family or biological connections? But it sounds like you were exposed to a lot of different things. And I like that you noticed that that helped with your listening. Did it also help with your general openness to other cultures, even if they were different from yourself?
1: Oh, most certainly. I, I guess I was already um, bi cultural because my mother is Polish and my father is French. and it was a very strong influence because my mom would only talk to me in Polish. Even though we would, we were living in France, she would only communicate to me in Polish. And it felt like a sort of little secret power we had because we could communicate and no one would understand us in the small village of France. Um, and also she passed on so many different cultural habits and traditions that were different from what my dad would pass on to me. So I, I very early on, I realized that. I don't know actually if I realized it was just normal to me that um, there are different cultures, different ways of doing things and thinking. When slowly I started seeing all the cultures on top of that, it just felt very normal that there's all these different ways of doing and all these different ways of communicating and looking at the world. And artists, in a way, have also their their own language, I guess, so the language of Art, language of painting or sculpting or writing, also felt like just a different language that they were talking.
0: That's a really nice way of looking at at artists and expression as another language. I really appreciate that perspective. I also appreciate what you said about having a little secret language in a way. I hope my children feel that way about Finnish
1: uh, <laughs> in
0: the future. And i I also appreciate that you say you didn't necessarily process that there were different cultures or that you were having this moment of clarity where you're seeing different cultures because it was just your normal. Being surrounded by other cultures was a part of your immediate family and then also in this environment your parents had built around you. So then as you're getting older and you're going out into the world, it just seems what I would call secondhand, natural, to you to interact with other
1: cultures,
0: would you agree?
1: I very much. You, you said it perfectly.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a sixth sense in a way.
1: Yes, and I never realized it until now. Actually, it's very interesting how much um, how much it was inherent to just the way I grew up, and and that's why probably it was very natural to me to go and meet and and adapt myself to different cultures, different places.
0: Well, we can go ahead and. And find the link then between your growing up and then the start of this project. What inspired this medium of 60-second video postcards? Where did it all begin?
1: Well, there's there's probably many places I could find a beginning for, for this project. Probably really the beginning, the earliest beginning is where I learned how to listen and where I learned how to enjoy also listening to people. And that's really the role I had a lot in in the house I grew up in because people were so animated and love talking that as a child, I, I didn't take the, the role of trying to talk as well. I really enjoyed just being the listener. So it's probably where it all started, the joy of listening and, and also my mother always telling me that it's very important to ask as many questions as you can and listen because this is where you can learn from the other person you're meeting. And uh, and so I was very humble always. I felt like I shouldn't talk too much. I should just ask questions and and listen.
0: Did you find yourself naturally kind of behind the camera or as an interviewer rather than being the one on stage or on camera?
1: Well, the camera just came very, very later. It was almost like just a tool and and almost a passport for being curious and being able to go and ask questions to random people. I would meet (laughs) (laughs) that was really the camera became, became the excuse for me to knock on someone's door and say, I would love to spend some time with you and ask you a lot of very personal questions. (laughs) Uh, It's in, it's a long path from, for me to get to the camera, actually it's um, from this dinner table, let's say to, to how I got to have a camera in my hands. I I worked for a few years in the arts field as a curator, and then it was just a very incredible um, encounter with a documentary filmmaker that really put a camera in my hands for the very first time. Only when I was maybe 23, he really pulled me out of this um, this art world I was in and took me on a tour into in america where he was presenting his documentary film in prisons in different prisons in america and uh, he asked me to film his his tour and how he was presenting the films in the prisons and the reactions of the prisoners and interviewing prisoners and so i ended up being completely in immersed in a in a very different reality uh social reality political reality but also story uh, stories that were very um very raw, very different from what I was used to with the art world. Ideas that were very different, and um, and that was the moment I, I felt I was in in the right place. Like all my listening felt so much more powerful you now when directed towards a person that usually didn't have the chance to be listened to. And that's the moment really, my heart, my mind, everything felt felt at the right place. And after that, it was. A process of learning the skills of making documentaries and films, but very, very fast. I ended up getting a camera in my hands and 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 filming and interviewing. And I can tell you now, if you want, or or, or maybe you have another question, but how I got how how Human Postcards was born because it was very, very fast. All this process from being in America, coming back and doing uh, doing a sort of very intense three week program of documentary making in London. Where I was lucky to find a really fantastic topic that fascinated me and also kidnapped me into a, a parallel world of nightlife in London, which was the rickshaw life. I don't know if you know rickshaw. It's those um,
0: yeah, the bicycle chariot. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, London at the time. I don't know how now, but it was a really strong scene and a very interesting uh, scene to explore. So I that's where I made my first little documentary. It's really where I discovered the power of making short documentary form and how they could make something visible, a community visible, someone who's not very visible, bring them into the light and also uh, give them a voice through a short documentary. Finishing that film and discovering that I could play a role with my listening, that my listening skill with the camera could actually give birth to something that can, that can have a little role in society to make things or make certain people or certain communities visible
0: as you're telling this story from being in the art scene and the curation scene then being whisked away to America to this very gritty prison scene it sounds as you're describing it like it all just happened but when i read between the lines and when i'm really listening what I'm hearing is you saying yes to a lot of opportunities and saying yes to a lot of risk. You really put yourself out there every time you took on a new challenge, which you're making it sound very easy. <laughs> but I know to put yourself out there and to take on new challenges and to immerse yourself in unfamiliar environments is not easy. I really want to give you applause.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Applause for for taking risks and saying yes because. I think especially as women, it's not as easy to say, I'm going to put myself out there and put myself in uncomfortable situations.
1: Thank you. It's it's true. No, nothing that is uh, out of our everyday life or our habits is, is easy. But I feel the hardest step is the one, the first one. To say yes. To say yes and, and to go the first time. Once you said yes and you're just, just there, we are very adaptable. Animals, mm. <laughs> and, and and especially women, I think, with our intuition. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it too.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic to see how. Now I think, yeah, I was a young, young woman, young girl, but and and going into worlds that were very different from anything I knew before. But it's at, at the end of the day, if if you go towards people with curiosity and authenticity, and you're really there was honesty people feel it and then worlds that you would think would not open up to you open up with a lot of ease and that's what Mm -hmm. happened to me in those different communities or worlds like the rickshaw world was famous for not being open to any cameras and anything like that but uh, very fast I was adopted and and yeah it just felt it felt very natural but maybe you're right I'm sure there was the first step that uh, I, I might have thought for I remember the first time I, I had to go in into the night. I woke I put my wake up call at three AM to go into Soho at night to go and film. The first time I remember feeling a little nervous. Yeah. And then and then it started to be totally normal to take the bus and at <laughs> three AM <laughs> when everyone was coming back drunk and I was going <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. So then you immerse yourself in the rickshaw scene and you start making short form documentaries how did it go from that to now these 60 second video postcards? What was the path from here
1: to there? The path was um, when I, when I finished this first little documentary about the rickshaw world, that was five minutes long. I, it was, it was of course a very humble little film, but it did have a little impact on the people who saw it, especially in London rickshaw community was, had very bad press. Um, it, the, the mayor was really trying to to take them down and and people in general would always I mean most people didn't really like rickshaws and with this film I showed a little bit of a different perspective on it and I saw that this little film could have uh could make could it could change people's minds and maybe a few days after after finishing that film I was walking in London and um thinking a lot about what to do next with this realization and what what would be the next topic I would like to, to work on. And I passed this man that was holding a big advertisement for a golf shop. You know, these sandwich men, we call them?
0: Oh yeah, the boards that you kind of wear.
1: Yes, exactly. He was on Oxford Street, very, very busy street. And he was just standing in the middle of this very busy crowd. And I don't know I, I I had a moment I stopped and I started I, I fixated myself on him and I was looking at the way he was standing in this crowd and this crowd was completely avoiding him uh, pretending he didn't exist and he was kind of doing the same he was able to be there but yet I'm not there and I was wondering what is he thinking what is on his mind how can how can he survive in this crowd and for so many long hours and I got very curious and it's really the moment where I think something shifted and I started thinking what I could do to first find out what he's thinking about I wanted to know mm-hmm. uh, so I have a reason to to find this out and second I thought I, if I if only I could make him visible to this crowd the way I, I made the rickshaw scene a bit more visible how could I make this man visible but these people are so busy look at them. So I was looking at all these people. And then I had this really, you know, the, the funniest famous sentence, we all can say, do you have a minute? And probably no one could tell you no, if you ask them, do you have a minute? And so I thought, what if I try to make something about him in one minute, and I found out what he is, and I make it into a minute. And so the next day, I came back, and I looked at him again. And this time, actually, it took me a few days to take my courage to go and talk to him. And I came a third time. And the third time I came up to him and started to talk. But um, he didn't speak any words of English. <laughs> oh. Luckily, he was, he was uh, Pakistani and there's a very strong Pakistani community in the rickshaw world. So in the evening, I went to see my rickshaw community, got a friend to come and, and translate the next day. And so I, I really interviewed him that time on the street. I asked him a few questions with my friend translating. And I found out that he used to be a teacher in a school for children. And his favorite topic was poetry. And so while he was standing on that crazily busy street, when I was watching him and wondering what he was thinking about, most of the time he was telling himself poetry. So of course I got incredible goosebumps when he told me that story. and I have them now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I filmed him with you know, my phone. It was really just an attempt to see what it would with my phone I made a few shots I thanked him tremendously and I went back home and I edited these images of him in this crowd and then I put his story on top and I made it into a minute and when I watched it it's just it's just I, I got almost tears I think I was like I had goosebumps I felt I felt this was so so human so honest so short but yet so to the point and and I and I thought it was just that I'm sure all the people who pass him all day long would never pass him without saying hello if they could see this this little snippet of his uh, of his life. So that really is the moment I thought I could do that. I could I could go into the world and look at the people we don't really see and learn more about them, film them, and then edit it into a one-minute film that could inspire, touch other people and and maybe create a little bit of connection through through that. And that's really how it, it all started. I never stopped since then. And <laughs> it's been five years I'm making these little one-minute, what I call human postcards.
0: Do you feel that you have, I'm going to say sixth sense again, for seeing people who may have a story to tell? Or do you feel that really... Every person has something in them or part of their story that's worth sharing.
1: I go for the second option.
0: (laughs) You could stop anyone on the street and you think you could make an intriguing 60-second human postcard about anyone, really?
1: Yes. 60 minutes would be maybe a challenge, but 60 seconds, I I definitely know it. And by now, I I made over 300 portraits and I had some companies coming to me and asking me if I could make portraits of all their employees. But really with the employees doing whatever they wanted, it can be playing golf, to cooking with the children, to watching the stars at night. What was interesting with that is that I was not choosing the people and and that proved my, my idea because every single person I met and I had to make a portrait of, I enjoyed, I discovered incredible things about and, and made a beautiful postcard. So I really truly know that it's not just an idea when I'm saying that everyone has a story everyone can be a portrait because I proved it, I think, by now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what have been, we've talked about some of the joys of this process, but what have been some of your challenges? You mentioned one which was language
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: had to find a translator, but what have been some of your challenges as you interview people from different cultures?
1: In certain cultures, there are certain taboos, of course. So mm-hmm. I guess it's 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 knowing how to if you really want to talk about these taboos, because they might be interesting, how to bring the topic, or if I also want to respect that, not to, not to ask about that. So to be really aware of adapting also my questions to who I'm talking to and and the context. Because the postcard I'm doing are not, they're not really trying to be political. Um, they're really more human than political. That's probably the only challenge. But I I could think. This really
0: shows something about your personality. That after 300 portraits and working for five years, you can barely think of a challenge. <laughs>
1: see, I don't see a lot of challenges in life. Uh, I must be very lucky, or I just maybe very blind to it. But for me, um, yeah. for me, the, the, the process of making these films is is all a joy. And even the challenge might be, you know, to sometimes some people are very shy. And I know I would love to know more about this person, but they're on. They're not sure they want to participate. So it will be a challenge to convince them or to and explain what the project is. So maybe that's a challenge. But the more you create, as you must have experienced it, a sense of uh, of comfort and and listening. The usual doors that are closed get opened. I think.
0: Yeah. I think listening is a is a big part of it and really hearing what people maybe aren't saying but they are saying mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way yes very much so yeah it's so lovely that it's been a positive experience for you and maybe there have been a lot of challenges but you see them through different eyes. And so they're not necessarily challenges to you. I think everyone sees what is in front of them differently. Mm-hmm. And some people process 90% challenge, 10% opportunity, and maybe you're <laughs> 90% opportunity and 10% challenge.
1: Well, you know, but I mean, it's just maybe I, I just I just forget about them. But there's, chall- there's so many challenges that would be more boring to talk about because there's, it's one thing to love going into the world and interviewing and filming people. People, but it's when you want also to have a beautiful film at the end there's all the technical sides and so these these were certainly some challenges on learning and because it was really my school in a way going and traveling and making these portraits I learned it was my biggest documentary school I made all my mistakes and that's where I learned and that's where I I grew uh, so probably a lot of challenges in that field and also the the other boring things which i think is the 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 all the social media and how to have a project like that alive online but these were yes. challenges uh for me these were the parts that were not as as fun as how to reach an audience but you know it's it's not that interesting to to talk about as a challenge i think but that's an interesting thing to bring up is
0: the social media side or the public side because In the end, your goal was not just to make these portraits, but to have other people see them Mm -hmm. so that these people can be seen, that their stories can be heard. Exactly. So that is a challenge when we want to share our work with Mm -hmm. others, and it feels sometimes like the world is super saturated with content, Mm -hmm. and we want to break through. How have you found ways to do that? (laughs) It's still a struggle.
1: Oh yes, it's still, this is still an ongoing challenge. Um, this was a, a surprising part of the project to discover how hard it is to, to be seen, of course, in this ocean of, of media. Mm-hmm. And I was always sad, not in a personal way, but more about the stories and the people I was filming, if they were not reaching so many people, because I felt they trusted me with their story and a beautiful The people are beautiful and they should be seen. So that, um, I I still remember to this day when we just started five years ago, I I started, the co-founder was Ari van der Poel, who was the sound engineer at the time. And I still remember us in a camp van when we were touring New Zealand at the beginning of the tour. And we posted our first film and we got so excited when we got 10 views and so excited when we got 100 views. And, and, oh my God, I remember the 1,000. It felt like we were on top of the world. (laughs) And then, you, and then you realize you start, it's it's a greedy thing. You start to be more greedy and, and you, you start to realize there's all these strategies to be seen. And if you want to grow, you have to use all sorts of social media strategies. And that was a challenge because there was a point where it started taking too much energy away from mm-hmm. what I thought was important, which was the encounter with the people, the filming, the editing, to tell the stories. And right now I must say I I sort of really slowed down on that side and decided to not be really in the the race for social media and views and keep just making the portraits. The change though and the luck I had is that 2 years ago French television offered to be co-producer of some portraits. So through them through that platform the portraits are seen a lot and that makes me happy. Wow. Well, then I don't have to worry about that side too much anymore.
0: Because it's a hustle to get your content seen.
1: Definitely. It is. You must experience that too.
0: <laughs> I think all creators do. Even once like you said, you get your first ten, hundred, thousand, there's always this hunger for more. So even people who are well established now are still hustling and fighting to be seen. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a creator's Achilles heel, I guess. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) What is your favorite part of balancing cultures? What has brought you joy through this process of interacting with those
1: that are different from you? The best part of all the time being in touch and, and exchanging with people from different cultures is updating my own perception of the world mm. because they just challenge you. But I often also don't go into, into any interview thinking this person is from this culture or this country. or I, I really go into every interview in a very unprepared way. And it's something I, I really chose to keep in my style. I, I don't know anything about anyone I interview prior to the interview. So I really... Enter into the, into this, inter, into any interview with a, with a really clean mind. And so I don't know, for me, culture, culture definitely is a thing. Different cultures exist. But for me, it's just different people. So every person I meet is going to be a sort of journey or I travel through the, the story of this person, the experience of this person without necessarily attaching this person to one culture.
0: Yeah. If I can just bring it back to kind of the social media and publicity side of things then, when you post a video, do you mention which culture, community, country these people come from?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I do. I do. Um, Why do I do that? I guess it was to show that (laughs) the, I think at the beginning, it was to show that the series was really traveling around the world because people like to feel that they can get a glimpse of different different cultures but I feel like if I would uh, for most of them if I would take out the country it would still be the same experience watching them I'm trying to think like it's they're not a reportage you know they're not trying to make a report about something somewhere a culture yeah in this place it's it's really about a person
0: that's why i was wondering cuz we all know the power of hashtags and titles and subtitles and how it draws people in to get that click and i was i was wondering would you put that someone is from a particular country even if that country has nothing to do with the story itself and the postcard itself
1: yeah i think it was really in this in this mindset of having at at some point a map of the world and having all these different stories pinned on the map Um, more to appeal to this travel uh, idea and and all the stories from all around the world can inspire us and have an echo in us they can be from India they can be from Poland from Germany from um, Indonesia America they will have an echo in our humanity I think so I'm showing in a way I'm showing I think the different geographical points more to show that actually these different cultural differences don't matter as much as we think when we focus on the details of people's stories that are also nurtured by the main themes of all our lives. That are you know love, life, desires, hopes, loss, excitement. Like all these things, they they all have the, almost the same the same ingredients. Maybe the recipes are different, but the ingredients are the same.
0: That's a lovely way to put it. <laughs> I like them. Since the initial development of the project, then, when you were in this van traveling around trying to put little flags on the map, as you were saying, since then till now, have you reconsidered what you're creating and what your mission or goal or objective is? Hmm.
1: It's a big question. I should. Uh, I should.
0: With companies, for example, they're constantly reevaluating okay, what is our mission? What is our mission statement, even? What are our goals? And with small initiatives and creative projects, it's the same, but we don't necessarily put it on paper. But we do look at what we're creating, look at the response, and consider what am I hoping to achieve? And for you, has that changed over time?
1: I'm really trying to. It's, it's a very good question, and um, there's something strange with this project because it feels so much part of who I am in this world and how I live and experience this world. It's it's for me such a a way of living, truly, that it it evolves with me, I guess, and how how I how I think but I, I don't I don't sit down and I don't try to really like you say like a CEO should to rethink what's the statement what's the story why or how they should rethink the whole project I really keep on making portraits without any program in terms of the content you're
0: creating and you put out into the world as final product as you're going through the editing process has your vision of the end product always been the same or have you changed what you're creating over time?
1: For a web series and someone who has made hundreds and hundreds of one-minute portraits, you would think that I have a recipe and that <laughs> I, I I go into the interview asking more or less always the same questions and and having a plan. And same thing for editing. I know I will start with a shot like that and I will end with a shot like this. But um, except for my ending shot, which is the portrait shot, uh, that for me is important because it's the moment the person I filmed acknowledged that he or she shared his or her story with the world. All the rest is every time a new, a, a new experience for me. Like every time I go into an edit, I I really keep my mind. Fresh, and I don't have a preconception of an idea of what, what will be a portrait. And I never even, I never know what will be the final story until I play with, I re-listen to the interview, and I just feel what, what will be the, the, the thing that I will keep in this one minute. So it's actually changing all the time. It's, it never changed, and it's changing all the time how I, because I, I just, I, I really, and I, I think that's why I can continue doing it, and that's why it feels so exciting every single time So I feel like I'm just staying fresh with this. And that's why I don't consciously re-evaluate how I should change or how it should evolve. I feel it's, it's, it's just happening probably naturally.
0: What I'd love to do now is something I call the lightning round. I've done it with a few different episodes. When I interviewed Laura about jewelry, she's a jeweler. I interviewed Anne about children's books about difficult topics and how to start conversations. And who else did I do a lightning round? Oh, the food blogger, The Practical Kitchen. So as a creator, I would love to do this with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's go with which postcard taught you something unexpected?
1: I would say Jake. Well, who's Jake? So Jake is a man that lost both his legs and an arm uh, on an expedition in the Arctic. Um, it's a postcard. I, it's one of the early human postcards I made five years ago. And I, I didn't know that the filming and making a portrait about him would teach me so much about, about acceptance and being happy and adaption. He was the most joyful and active and full of life person i've ever met even until this day and you know when 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 you film someone that lost so much to change his life so much you expect a story that will be much more sad and yet he he taught me how to how to look at one of the biggest challenges you can get in your life as an opportunity to grow that was a very powerful moment well this question
0: will sound similar but you've got to use a different example okay which postcard challenged you?
1: Probably filming a little girl, very, very sick in a, in a hospital for children in Poland two years ago. Her name was Karina. That was very challenging. I didn't meet her before, but this one was a bit organized because I had to get the permits to film in the hospital from the hospital and her parents. And so when I finally met her, it was very challenging to start filming and put my camera on on this little girl that was extremely sick and weak. Yeah, that was challenging to understand how to to make a portrait that would make her feel proud and happy and reflect where she was in her life without being too painful as well. Because most of the people I interview and talk about some experiences in, in their lives, often if they talk about difficult things, it's, it's in the past and they manage to overcome it. But I was really in the heart of, of the pain that this little girl was experiencing. And she was a little girl, so... In the end, she was still dreaming of being a a wedding dressmaker and going to the Eiffel Tower. That was probably the the most challenging postcard I think I I had to do. I
0: just pulled up her picture on your Instagram and she's wearing this pink and silver sequins dress as she sits (laughs) in her wheelchair Yes. And you said wedding dress designer and I went yes. I hope she does become that.
1: <laughs> yes, she was she would really be dressed up for the occasion. She was very excited that we came. <laughs> what a beautiful picture. Well, which postcard
0: felt like home to you?
1: Hmm. It's it's strange. I think all of them and none of them because when I make a human postcard, I enter a very a state of high mental and emotional sensitivity. And my senses of sight and listening are heightened. And so I never feel as present as when I film or interview a person. It reads really, it's, it's, it, and so it feels, it feels like a strange place of, um, by now it feels like home and yet it's, it's, it's a very different feeling. So, but if I had to choose one that makes me feel like home, hmm.
0: If there is one, but I think that response kind of says it all.
1: Okay. That, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which postcard made you emotional?
1: Mm. Or are
0: you able to detach completely and and
1: Oh no, no, no. No, you're in it. No, I'm in it. I'm really when I'm saying it high sensitivity and high I'm I'm completely in it. So I I'm on the emotional journey and waves with the the people and and they often share very beautiful beautiful and powerful stories and experiences. So there's many. There is, of course, Jake, I just mentioned. There's Inyaki, the little boy who I, I still remember to this day. We were sitting in his grandmother's kitchen during the interview, sitting on the floor. And we really spent a lot of time talking about the world and Legos and all sorts of things. And, and at some point, I asked him what was the most beautiful thing that happened in his life. And his answer is, is the full answer is, is in a postcard. It, it actually f- fitted in one minute. I still remember the goosebumps I felt, and every time I see this postcard, I still feel the goosebumps. So this little boy really moved me. There's of course Lola, another little girl I filmed in Spain who um, is very worried about what the future holds. So to see a small girl being worried about the climate change and, and how trees are being destroyed, it was very emotional for me too. There's Camille, who I filmed in, a, in an immigrant's camp, oh, wow. who yes, shared a lot of very strong stories that happened to her and the people who came and she welcomed in that camp. After herself being the granddaughter of grandparents that were saved and hidden in the same mountains where she's helping now other people, her grandparents hiding from the Nazi Germany,
0: I'm just wondering, these these stories that really reach you and make you the most emotional, is it because of something from your past, or is it simply your humanity?
1: (laughs) No, I think I I have a very strong empathy. I think some people have more than others, and I really tap into that for making the human postcards. I have empathy for almost all the stories, and even if I have no experience that relates to it, I still feel very deeply what the people share with me. Well, let's do which postcard made you laugh? <laughs> uh, probably when I had to, when I, not I had to, I decided to make a, a, a postcard of a uh, a girl wearing um, a mascot costume. <laughs> so I spent I spend the morning filming a mascot, uh, as a big dog mascot in, in her name. And the girl wearing that was Briny. That was very funny. I had no idea. We hadn't done any interview yet. So I was just following a puppet and filming a puppet. That, that was quite funny. <laughs> if we want to
0: look these postcards up, can we search by the names you've mentioned on your website? Yes.
1: You can just type the name and
0: Well, we've just mentioned a bunch of postcards that you have done. Which postcards would you like to make? If you could seek someone out or a particular perspective or story, what is a dream interview portrait?
1: Hmm. Hmm. I probably would like, I have a fascination for for under ocean life. So I would love to make a portrait about someone who is doing a lot of work in the ocean and to to hear and interview someone who experienced swimming with whales and and, and maybe doing some scientifical work around that, to know what it's like to, to live in this world that is all the time here and yet we, I mean, I don't see at all. So maybe that's, that's something I'd be fascinated today. If I could choose today to make an interview and film someone anywhere in the world, I would probably make a portrait of a scientist that studies whales. <laughs> I would watch
0: that. I would watch that one. (laughs) I have a minute. (laughs) One last question. Are you ready? Yes. What do you hope people will take away from human postcards?
1: I think it's still the same hope I had at the beginning when I started the project, which is to make people more curious about the people they see in their everyday life. I would always hope that my little human postcards would make people more curious about other people, and maybe stop them in the course during the day and have them talk, ask a question to someone they would usually not take the time to be curious about. So there's so much to learn from others and to be inspired, and I, I hope that in one minute people see that. Oh my god! If maybe I should talk to the, my, my mechanic today when I go and drop my car. Maybe I should I should talk to the bread maker. I've buy my bread from today and ask him what made him start or you know like just things like that just creating curiosity when you said that
0: i was thinking in a way that you are trying to create positive disruptions to people's normal
1: Mm -hmm. that's beautiful very i like that very much i would love to write that down
0: I think that's a, a great goal and I will start
1: today. <laughs> Please tell me who you who you talk to you wouldn't have to talk to. <laughs> Thank you for inspiring me. <laughs> Thank you for, for your wonderful interview. It's very interesting and, and nice to be on the other side on the, the one that is being asked the questions. It's a good it's a good challenge. So sometimes I maybe I should ask myself more questions the way you do.
0: A big thank you to Nora for sharing, well, not just her story, but 300 and counting. Please go check out humanpostcards.com to start enjoying her project. And above all, get curious, ask questions, see people. Thank you for listening. This was Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchen.